Welcome to the Codcast. I'm Bruce Mole from Commonwealth Magazine, and I'm joined today by three women from Somerset, Massachusetts, who took on a big corporate neighbor and won a major court victory last week. Nicole McDonald, Kathy Souza, and Nancy Thomas all live near Brayton Point, a large piece of property that used to be home to one of the largest coal-fired power plants in New England. In 2018, a company from St. Louis bought the property, tore down the massive plant and its two cooling towers, and positioned the property for offshore wind development. When offshore wind was slow to take off, the company moved to a plan B, renting space to a company that would acquire scrap metal locally and then export it via ship to Turkey and other locations. That meant trucks full of scrap metal rumbling down the narrow street to Brayton Point. The trucks would unload their cargo. The scrap metal would be moved into a large mound and then the metal would be loaded onto a ship. Nicole, let's start with you. How did this scrap metal operation affect you? First of all, thank you, Bruce, for, for all your coverage that you've um, done. Uh, this has been a long process for the residents of Somerset. Um, it's been an experience where we've been suffering from dust from the scrap metal operation since the operation started back in the summer of 2019. Uh, it covers our homes, it covers our windows. Um, you can taste it when you walk, um, depending on which way the wind is blowing. It irritates your eyes, the back of your throat. And um, we know that it's metal dust. It's hazardous, um, caustic metal dust. So it has been um, a very long uh, two and a half years. And originally the ships were loading 24 hours a day. Uh, there's upwards of 50 scrap metal trucks dumping uh, tractor trailer loads full of dry, dusty scrap metal every day, all day. Uh, it has really been a nightmare experience for the residents. Kathy, how about you? How has it affected your life? Uh, again, as Nicole said, it, it was, they were loading 24 seven. The operation was 24 seven. No measurable amount of trucks. There wasn't any uh, limit on the trucks. So the trucks were coming day in and day out and the loading of the ships were 24 hours. Um, and then as you know, it progressed a little, um, it, it was just, I, I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, listening, living next to a scrap metal operation with a, a ship loading a little more than a thousand feet away from your home, that's all day and night. It's maddening. I mean, it's enough to drive everybody, everybody in the neighborhood mad. Um, and then just the fight uh, has been two and a half years nonstop. So, I mean, it's affected, of course, it affects your family life. It affects everything you do because you're, you're really, you're really trying very hard to show everybody the obvious, what's obvious to us because we're right in front of it. And it's not obvious to anybody who can't see it or hear it daily. You know, it started off as, well, they're just complaining. Then it progressed to, wait a minute, there really might be some environmental concerns here to this is really affecting everybody's health and well-being. Uh, Nancy, what, what, about, what about you? What was your story? So I live a few hundred yards across, the across from the dock. So unfortunately, I'm on the front line here. And as my co-defendants have stated, it's been a nightmare. But I also want to mention 
that there has been some positive that's come out of this situation, and that is the mobilization of this small residential neighborhood to fight big business, to do what's right. Um, I'm so proud of my neighbors. We have come together. It's always been a close-knit community. It's even closer now. And we consider each other family at this point. For someone who's lived in this neighborhood over 50 years, I couldn't be more proud of what we've accomplished, not just Nicole, Kathy, and I, but all of the residents in Brayton Point, in Lees River, and Swansea, on the Fall River waterfront. It's been just inspiring to see the support that we've gotten from the other residents. And moving forward, I believe we'll all be still in this together. So Nancy, tell me a little bit about the three of you though. Did you guys know each other well before this, this, the trucks began rolling or how did you, how did you three come together on this? So um, it was a neighbor who approached me and said, hey, you know, a bunch of us are getting together to kind of address this scrap metal situation. Do you want to come down? They were meeting down at the end of the street at the beach. And I'm like, sure, I'm, I'm definitely interested because this is, you know, crazy. And I went down for a walk to the end of the beach and there were about 30 people down there, some who I knew, some who I didn't, but all had one thing in common. They all lived in this neighborhood or in a surrounding area and wanted to do something about what was happening. And I knew Nicole before, I did not know Kathy. Now I consider her like a sister. And it's been um, a wonderful experience as well as a horrible experience, but we all know each other now and we all stand together. Kathy, there's been a, a building on what Nancy was talking about. There's been a decided uh, political aspect to this because <clears throat> what was interesting was not that the neighborhood mobilized, but the neighborhood's mobilization led the town to sort of get more and more involved. And, and you ended up on the select board. So, and the select board sort of transformed. Talk a little bit about that transformation in the community, because I know it wasn't without some detractors uh, opposed to what you were doing. And, and that is exactly what happened. I mean, we, we showed up at meetings. So, so uh, I always had attended meetings prior to this, more for, you know, items of interest. But we all decided, you know, at that meeting that Nancy talked about, we we're going to start going to the meetings because we needed to hear what was going on. We need to bring our um, concerns forward. And when we did that, um, we started seeing, I mean, we had meetings where we would have a select person who would tell us that there would be no public input. And then when it turned to COVID and it was a Zoom meetings, it was like became a joke to just hit mute on a, on a resident so that they couldn't speak. So we really started looking at how the town was operating on all fronts. I mean, we were extremely fortunate to have a zoning board that was strong and understood the concerns and understood the process um, of of big business, um, but yeah, that's what we started saying. You know, if you, we have to one by one get into town government, and I I'm thrilled that I'm a selectman. I actually enjoy it. Something I, before I started, I never saw myself doing in a million years. I actually enjoy it. I enjoy meeting with the residents. Nancy's part of two boards, I believe. She's on the historical society and cultural council, and Nicole is a planning board member. So. In a sense, this whole issue has mobilized you, the three of you, to it sound, sounds like to get into town government and sort of make sure it's doing what you want it to do. Is, is that fair to say? It's, it's not what, and I understand what you're saying, what we wanted to do. 
it's what the right thing to do. Residents should be listened to. The town should be run like a business. We should be following local, state, and federal laws. And every business in town should be. And that was not happening. There was a different set of rules depending on which business it was. And it, to watch that happen, you have no choice but to step in and help straighten out. I, I mean, that's that's an age-old saying, right? If, if you want to see change, be the change. And, and we that's what we are. We're the change that we want to see. And um, uh, Nicole, why don't you explain a little bit about how you three became, as I think Nancy said, co-defendants. How did that come about? So Kathy and Nancy had, um, the whole process started, Kathy and Nancy um, were being affected by the dust. And so our procedure here in Somerset indicates that you bring that issue to the building inspector the building inspector makes a determination. If you're not happy with that determination, you then appeal to the Zoning Board of Appeals. So Kathy and Nancy had originally appealed to the Zoning Board of Appeals. The Zoning Board agreed with them that dust was leaving the scrap metal operation and issued the cease and desist. Then the building inspector approved a, it's been referred to as a modified dust control plan um, set forth by Brayton Point LLC, which is the owner of the property, and then a company named Patriot Seedoring and Logistics. They do the handling and the loading of the ships. So the building inspector approved a modified plan that, in my opinion, was contrary to what our zoning board had set for conditions to try and protect the residents from the effects of dust and noise and um, the implications of the scrap metal operation. So when I saw that, I appealed because I had been affected all along. I'm not as vocal, um, but I appealed that as well, along with Kathy and Nancy. The zoning board agreed with the three of us that the modified plan was not consistent and contrary to their decision. And because the three of us had gone to the zoning board, when Brayton Point LLC appealed to the land court to, uh, to contest the cease and desist orders, the three of us were named. Um, so we had all been attending meetings and going through this process. We're all affected by the dust. Um, there's also noise. There's a lot of issues, but Judge Foster's decision was focused on just the the dust because those were the issue. That was the issue in front of him. But um, the the this is the result of we were named because we happen to be the three that filed appeals with the zoning board. But the number of residents that testified and um, told the zoning board what they were going through at all of the meetings, um, the support and the number of people that have been affected by this and have participated, whether it's um, taking pictures and posting them on the, the social media Facebook page, whether it's showing up at meetings, um, the number of people that have been affected and have really fought for their rights in this case is just something I've never seen before. And it really does affirm your belief in the process and your belief that the laws will protect you. Nancy, did you, um, how would you characterize uh, the cooperation of this St. Louis company, commercial development, which technically bought the property and, and made the decisions to um, lease parts of it out to the scrap metal operation? Have they, were they at any point cooperative or was this a clash all along? So we started reaching out to commercial development company pretty early and eventually they agreed to 
sit down with us in um, a sort of mediation. We met at a local um, event space and we sat across the table from them, myself and maybe nine, 10 other residents with their representation from Patriot Stevedoring, um, their attorneys, commercial development, um, carver companies. And we told them our concerns. We were concerned about the noise. We were concerned about the dust, the trucks, the late nights. And we reached out to them and said, look, you have to like help us. This scrap metal is really you know, harming us. It's harming the neighborhood. We're concerned about our health. And we asked them directly, will you please stop with the scrap metal so we can all move forward with the development of that property? They looked us in the eye and they told us they didn't think the scrap metal was going anywhere. And that left us no choice but to fight back through the um, system that we had in place through our boards and eventually to the land court. They were never very cooperative. They provided us with, you know, these phone numbers that said they were call centers and you could always contact us at any time with concerns. But I promise you, we've called, we've had dozens of people call there's never been a return call there's never a response there's never an answer it's kind of just the dummy number to placate us but we've never gotten any results from reaching out to them that way either kathy whenever i tell people about this uh anyone that knows brayton point always goes well can it be worse than living next to a coal-fired power plant um what it, it sort of sounds like it's a neither option is very good. Can you describe, I mean, I think you, you lived under both, right? I did, I did. And I, I'll tell you, Nicole summarized that very well in court for us. It, it, and it's, it's almost like, okay, so if it's a better poison than the poison we had, we should drink the po this poison because it's not as bad as the poison we had. It's all poison. There's no, there's no better poison than the one we had before. So, I don't even know how to respond when I, it it really grates my nerves when somebody says it. It's almost like our little neighborhood because we always put up with or we always had um, contaminants landing on our properties that, you know, be happy this is less of a contaminant. No, they're all contaminants. They're all harmful to our health. And I know my father died of a rare cancer. Uh, he worked at the power plant. I know Nancy's father worked um, at the power plant and he also died of a rare cancer. We are gonna be the people that stop this from happening in our neighborhood again. And if it takes me until you know the day I go to keep at it, I will. There is no good poison. There is no good harmful contaminant to land on our neighborhood. We don't deserve it. Nobody deserves it. Nicole, um, let's talk about the judge's decision uh, in this case uh, because it was, it, I read it late at night. I, I got a copy very late at night. So I was reading it. Uh, and it was a rather unusual decision, at least as he framed it. You, you lived it, but as he framed it, he said the, um, the company, well, no, the town, the Zoning Board of Appeals was saying there's a bylaw that says no dust can escape the property. And, and then commercial development was sort of saying, well, that's an in impossible standard that no dust would leave the property. And then they went through a lot of measurements and calculations that sort of said they were within normal boundaries of what would be allowed. And the judge said, I don't care about either of those things. Uh, and he went, it sounds like he went over to visit the neighborhood and, and wanted to sort of see for himself what would happen. He calls it the view in, in, his, uh, in his decision. And he cites the view many, many times about why he's ruling the way he is. 
And he sort of, it sounded like it was just personal experience that made him decide, in, in a sense, trying to step into your shoes and see what you were experiencing, that influenced the decision. Is that how you saw it or that's how, I, how it read? Yeah, so um, so it is called a view when the judge goes out to the site. Um, and in a case like this, Judge Foster um, did come down on an afternoon. Um, he actually toured the Brayton Point property. So we walked up to where the scrap metal piles were and along the dock. Then we all he went to all three individual defendants' homes. So mine, Kathy, Nancy. Uh, we also showed him where the dust meter had been stationed. Um, so he had the chance to drive through the neighborhood to see the neighborhood. Um, and he does cite to that. So um, he is allowed to look at, you know, his observations during that view. And you can see it when you drive through our neighborhood. You can see the, the dust on the homes and the dust on the windows. Um, he had the chance to, you know, see at Kathy's house the discoloration on our kayak. Um, the dust is, is literally everywhere. And, and the judge did cite to his own observations during that view um, as being very important. Um, so we appreciate the fact that he, he did take the, the time to come down to Somerset. Um, it's a long drive from Boston and you know he spent a couple of hours um, that day. So we do appreciate that. I don't think it's something he had to do, but he, he really took a lot of time with this case and we're very appreciative of him doing that. Um, a case that we were all hoping to try in two days um, ended up being a five-day trial, um, voluminous documents. He heard from um, quite a few witnesses. He heard from 12 residents from the neighborhood. So um, we really do appreciate it. But you're absolutely right. He, he cites to his view and his observation multiple times throughout the decision. I, as I understand it, when, when the arguments ended or what happened when, it, when the formal process ended, he said he would have a quick decision, but I think he kept you guys on the edge of your chairs for quite a long time, right? Uh, is, is that accurate? So, um, so the, the case originally um, started off as Brayton Point's appeal of Kathy, the cases involving just Kathy and Nancy, and then some time went by and then there was the second cease and desist and then an appeal from that. So then those cases were all consolidated into one. And the zoning board had asked for um, injunctive relief right away. So the zoning board wanted their cease and desist orders enforced and they wanted the operation shut down while we were going through the litigation. Um, but for the sake of economy, and I, I do agree with the way um, it was handled rather than try an injunctive relief issue and then try the entire case, uh, Judge Foster put it on an expedited track. We really got through all the discovery in the case and got a trial date extremely fast. I mean, I, I am an attorney and I've never had a case of this size and volume go through the process that quickly. And then we did closing arguments in December. Um, but in terms of the documents for the judge to go through, it's several inches of really complex, complicated information. It was five days of um, trial transcripts, um, very complicated um, issues. And again, two cases. So start to finish, we did closing arguments in December. The judge's decision issued March 7th. I actually consider that to be, um, I, I think he worked on that very quickly and, and very fast. It may seem like a long time to us, but um, knowing how much time goes into this, I, I think the judge turned it around 
very quickly, and he had said that throughout the trial, that he understood this is time sensitive. I mean, every day there's another 50 trucks. There's, there's a ship that just pulled in today. So the exposure and the harm to the residents is ongoing every day. So he really did, at least in my opinion, he worked on it very diligently. And I think he turned around that decision very quickly. Kathy, the judge, um, his final decision here, could you explain what what he ordered uh, and, and, and what the scrap metal operation has to do? Um, so the easiest way to summarize, and Nicole, please correct me if I'm wrong, is they have 14 days um, from the, the time he made the decision, they have 14 days to stop cease and desist all operations. So, and he listed like every possible associated uh, operation. So that would be the trucks, that would be the cranes, that would be moving the scrap metal, bringing any more in. Um, so, um, and then they have to go before the zoning board with a, a plan of compliance um, with their orders. So they, they, they have to stop completely, go back to zoning and say how they're gonna um, comply. So, um, uh, Nancy, the, the 14 days they're up, is that next week or the week after? I believe it would be next Monday would be the 14th day. And do you feel, I, you said, a, I, I think Nicole mentioned that a ship is in, is in right now. I'm looking at it right now. Okay. Have <laughs> they made any uh, announcement about they're going to make this or they're so um, we did have some communication uh, per the judge's previous orders there. They were supposed to notify us in advance by us. I mean, the three co-defendants, if there was a ship coming into port, they didn't do that for the last ship and they didn't do it for this ship. Um, Nicole actually had to reach out to their attorney who then replied and told us that, yes, there is a ship coming and his intention was to ask for an extended um, loading hour schedule because they needed time to get all the scrap metal off of the dock. However, they have never stopped trucking it in. As the judge's decision came in Monday, there were still 40 to 50 trucks coming in, bringing in more scrap metal. So we are very doubtful that they ever really intended to get all the scrap metal out because if they did, you know, intend to comply, they would have stopped trucking it in. It's still coming in right now as the ship's pulling in. So we, we just, shake our heads at that and say it's just cdc being cdc but we'll keep at it so if and presumably they'll comply but if they don't then the judge will have to enforce his order in some fashion i i take it is that i would assume but nicole would probably know better than i what the judge would be doing <laughs> so um so yeah massachusetts land court has equity jurisdiction so those judges have a, a lot of power um, I I can't speak for what Judge Foster will do if they don't comply with the order, but I wouldn't be I wouldn't want to be the person that's not following uh, that order. And there is also a second case that's still pending before Judge Foster on Brayton Point's request for an expanded commodities port, where they want to bring in 30 different commodities and have 48 ships loading 24 hours a day. And 550 trucks running down that very narrow Brayton Point Road. So Brayton Point still has their appeal pending on that, and that case is being handled by Judge Foster as well, or being heard by Judge Foster. 
Wow. I want to congratulate all of you for pulling this off. I imagine when you first started, it was probably, uh, what am I getting myself into? But uh, it sort of came out surprisingly well, that exactly what you wanted, it sounds like. So Nicole Mc McDonald, Kathy Souza, and Nancy Thomas, thank you very much for joining me. And to our listeners, we'll see you again next week. Thank you. Thank you, Bruce.